0: going to start you just think that he is going to do enough this training camp to make a role for himself and I'm kind of on that same thought at running back I just think Tawee Walker man is going to be a factor in this offense I don't think that he's going to get more carries than Sawchuck or Barnes I absolutely do not think that that's going to be the case but you heard about him in spring you saw him in the spring game he is really tough to bring down I think some players have said he's the toughest running back to bring down that they have I think that he carves out a role as the number three back short yardage goal line whatever it is mine of the radar player is Tawhee Walker he's going to be a factor in this offense
1: yeah we had uh Grayson Holton on uh, our podcast uh, JP and I did and we asked him who who did he enjoy tackling the least and he said Tawhee Walker man he said you feel it Whenever you got to tackle that guy, and you know, especially you know, in a season where we think we're going to run the ball a lot, obviously uh, we ran the ball well in the bowl game with a lot of the offensive linemen that we're going to see on this unit. Um, you know, I think the quarterback run game is going to be big, so it's going to lend itself to kind of leaning on that run. After we led the Big 12 in rushing last year, uh, I think I think when you need a bruiser, I think uh, Tawi Walker, I think he's going to have a lot of that role, kind of in later in games, right? You get the 1-2 punch or the 1-A, one 1-B one punch, you know, with Sawchuck and Barnes, and I know we've got other people in that room. Caleb Hicks has looked really good throughout the summer. But if the last thing you want to see after having to deal with Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck for three quarters is a fresh Tawie Walker coming off the bench as OU looks to ice games that they couldn't ice last year.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is I think Tawie Walker, like the, the number of carries that he might average a game, I don't know, four or five, like, that, that, would, that would be perfect for his role because every time he comes in the game, he's probably going to be fresh. You know, he, he's probably going to be a guy that it's late in the game, the defense might be tired, or at least you hope the defense is tired, and he's coming in running full speed at the end of the game. Yeah, that's going to be difficult if, you know, defensive guys are saying that he's the toughest guy to bring down. He's, even though DeMarco said Caleb Hicks had the, what, best offseason he's seen from a freshman before. And all the buzz around Sawchuck and Barnes. There is room for three running backs on this roster to have a real role within the offense. And I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I, I think that that's going to happen. Uh, Kniepelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It means something if Gavin Freeman has outplayed two guys, Stoops and Farouk, that are experienced and played a lot. 405, isn't Gavin just a Drake Stoops 2.0? So we have some that are uh, having uh, or finding difficulties thinking that he's anything more than just a, another Drake Stoops on the team. And not that that's a bad thing. Drake Stoops has had a really good career. But you, you can kind of see what they mean there.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't want it to just be a situation where it's Gavin Freeman's white, Drake Stoops is white, so therefore they're the exact same player. I think that is the laziest thing you could possibly do. So Gavin Freeman is significantly faster than Drake Stoops. He's used differently, and he should be used differently. So let's not get caught up too much in just the the white receiver stereotypes that we all hear. You know, the lunch pail, first one in, last one out, you know, plays the game the right way. He's, you know, sneaky fast. He's got deceptive speed. Like, no, Gavin Freeman can fly. So, and if it's a situation where we were to down the road get Andy Bass, I don't want to hear those comparisons with him either because he's, I think, the 100-meter state champion. Well, you will.
0: So you know that you will, though.
1: <laughs> I know. And it's 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 so annoying because it's just because the player, just because the receiver is white doesn't mean they're all the exact same. I mean, come on, people. Let's elevate yeah. the conversation slightly, if only so, slightly. So
0: you're saying when Andy Bass commits to OU on August 24th, it'll be, uh, wow, well, it's Drake Stoops 2.0. Or Gavin Freeman 2.0. 3.0. Yeah, 3.0, yeah. Yeah, 3.0. Annie Bass committing on uh, August 24th. We just found that out uh, about 30 minutes ago. Um, this could be, I don't think it's going to be or has a chance to be one of the crazier shows that we've ever done before because we've done some crazy ones in the past. But it has a chance to be a memorable one. I think that there's a pretty decent chance that Kelly Maxwell announces what I think we already know that she's transferring from Oklahoma State to OU. And there is a very slight chance that we hear the uh, Pac-12 imploding while we're on the air at some point today. I would guess that that probably happens at some point tomorrow or over the weekend, but there's an outside chance, and I would say on the Kelly Maxwell front, a very good chance that some very uh, newsworthy items drop before we're out of here at 6 p.m. today.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been kind of weird, right, Tyler? It's, you know, people have been, you know, reporting it all day. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen things come out from extra innings that said, oh, there's an insider that says, you know, this has happened. And, you know, I've I've seen multiple, you know, news sources say, well, this is done. But she hasn't put anything out yet. So I know we're still waiting on the official word. Everybody else has seemed to announce it, but – yeah, either way, I hope it becomes official from her soon uh, or maybe something from the program. But, yeah, I mean, it's at this point, all signs point to that.
0: Yeah. Uh, day one of training camp today, football is also on TV tonight. I didn't know it until I woke up this morning, and I had to double and triple check it to make sure it was accurate. There is indeed football on tonight with the Jets and Browns. So for us uh, gambling addicts, is this, um, is this training camp, too, get, getting on the board and betting the over on the Jets-Browns game tonight? Is this training camp for everyone?
1: Hey, you know, we get, we, get, we got to get ready somehow, right? I mean, I know that uh, this signifies the start of the season for a lot of people. I know some of you, uh, um, I don't know if we have any Iowa State students listening, but I know you guys are going to gamble on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hunter, Hunter
0: Decker's is all over, all over the over on this one. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, yeah, he is. So you know, it, it kind of tests your, uh, you know, if you're willing to bet on the Hall of Fame game, then you then you might have a problem. You just might, but yeah. uh, it, it, it will in no way be the most exciting Browns Jets game that I've ever watched. That, of course, belongs to Baker Mayfield's debut. But you know, it's it's going to be some semblance of football.
0: Yeah, that Jets-Browns game was on a Thursday night. I remember pulling off on the side of the road and watching Baker late in the fourth quarter complete the comeback. Yeah, it was, I would, it was, it I, was amazing.
1: I remember exactly where I was, too. I was at uh, um, I was at a bar here in Broken Arrow, actually. I was playing some pool, and I was like, oh, let's check it out. I, I looked. Baker wasn't starting. And then he gets in, and I was glued to it the rest of the time. What's crazy is probably his two biggest – well, I mean, his two biggest comebacks – ever have been when he didn't start, and they were both on Thursday night, because you remember that Rams game where he had led the 98-yard no. drive? Uh, that was on a Thursday as well. So uh, that's been the secret. Kirk Cousins can't play in prime time, and Baker Mayfield needs to play on Thursday nights. Let's go. Come on, come on, Tampa.
0: Just Let's just do 16 or 17 Thursday night games this year, and uh, we'll take down that Dolphins undefeated record. How about it? All right, four zero five six 405 405-651-3439 is the Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line. I'm at Westwood Golf today. We got people at the driving range. It is hot. It is really hot. I don't know how they're doing it, but they are. They're uh, they're out there on the driving range. They're playing uh, 18 holes today. Still got a good crowd out here at Westwood Golf and a full house next door at Westwood Pool as well. So yes, conference realignment, the biggest thing going on in college athletics right now. What's the SEC going to do with all of this, with some teams seemingly available, and how does this affect OU moving forward? We'll talk about that next. Coming up right here on The Ref, we are the home of Sooner fans. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref
1: Sports Radio Network.
0: The Central Oklahoma View of GMC Dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Latest on conference realignment, if you're not caught up. Well, there's a lot to get caught up on. Arizona and Washington are going to meet tonight. Their Board of Regents meeting. I think Arizona State may be sitting in with Arizona as well. It seems like the four corner schools are all in on going to the Big 12. It looks as though Oregon and Washington, that one is imminent. Those two schools will be headed to the Big 10. It is unknown on Stanford and Cal if those two teams will get an invitation to the Big Ten. And then, yeah, you have Florida State holding meetings, basically telling everyone, we want to get out of here. Please. We'll pay whatever. We just want to get out of this godforsaken ACC conference. The question I have, Travis, is what we're worried about the most. Now that there's so many teams available, including seemingly Florida State and Clemson, what's the SEC about to do amidst all this madness?
1: Well, I think you and I are probably in agreement on this. Now that we're in the SEC, we kind of want them to stop adding teams for a little bit, right? Yes. Yes, please. I kind of like it how it is. Like, I would rather the ACC just figure out the payments on it. I'd rather them just figure out how to split the revenue because, like, the Big Ten's not going anywhere. The SEC's not going anywhere. The Pac-9 seems like it's crumbling. The ACC seems like it's crumbling. And then Big 12 is trying to become a basketball conference that plays football on Fridays. So... I mean it's it, it, it's really going towards what it seems like to having a couple 20 team conferences or three 20 team conferences something like that and then part of the reason that excited me, Tyler and I know excited you about the move to the SEC was that we get to go around and play all these teams in the conference. We get to visit all these cool spots And yeah, I guess it would be cool to go to Clemson and Florida State but man, what it's gonna do is it's gonna force them back into the divisions. And you're only going to play the same teams over and over just like they have been doing. I want them to stay at the number they are so it can keep the scheduling model.
0: You know what else I don't want with Florida State and Clemson coming to the SEC? And I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. But the SEC bump in recruiting is real, man. It's real. And Florida State's already in an amazing spot to recruit at a high level. They really haven't been doing that all that much with Mike Norvell. Looks like they might have a good class this year, but... Florida State hasn't been lining it up in recruiting, but we've seen several years in the past that Florida State is very capable of having consecutive top five, top ten classes, and then Clemson as well. I don't want Clemson and Florida State to be two more schools that have an SEC recruiting bump when they're already very capable uh, recruiting at a high level. Like, Florida State and Clemson, I think, would only bump up, you know, wins would be harder to come by, much like OU in Texas, right? Like wins are going to be harder to come by in the SEC, but whatever the best version of OU is, I feel like we're going to see that in the SEC. I don't want that to be the case with Florida State and Clemson as well. You know what I mean? I want them to continue to be operating at a at a deficit the way that they are within the within the ACC.
1: Yeah, I mean I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think you know, like you said, those schools do a you know a pretty good job now. Obviously, uh, Sammy Brown and Brian Wesco headed to Clemson, stung a little bit. Um, this cycle for us so it's not like they're having problems by any means Um, but yeah and 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 it it is funny Tyler because we haven't even played a single snap in the SEC and we're already kind of gatekeeping we're like no don't come to our conference don't come to our conference what are you doing here coming to our normally you
0: normally you don't want to be the new guy and if you are the new guy you want to be the new guy for you know you don't want to be the new guy for very long right I want to be the new guy I want to be the new guy for several more years, maybe forever. I don't, I don't yeah. mind being the new guy in the SEC.
1: Yeah, I mean, because now we're getting an eye, or at least a, a little bit of a window, into how teams like Arkansas and A&M felt, saying, no, you know, we don't want OU and Texas to get that recruiting bump. You know, we, we, we want to keep our SEC the way it is, to where we can win some of those battles, because, like, and, and it is funny, because now, when we hear you know, rumors about anybody else joining, you and I are doing the exact same thing. No, no, not our conference. Not yes. the conference of Sooner fans. The our SEC. Our
0: conference. <laughs> um, it, it, it's just crazy to read things like this right now. And, I mean, it, it, it's happening. I, I mean, we're aware of it. But a guy like John Wilner, who's been covering all of this, when he tweets out this morning, I expect the future of the Pac-12 to be determined in the next 24 to 36 hours. It, it's just one of those things. As a kid, when I first discovered my love of college football, following this essentially my entire life, being obsessed with it my entire life, that in the next twenty four hours, Travis, one of the five conferences that I grew up watching could be totally gone. Could just be just be totally gone in the next twenty four. It, it, it's just a wild thought for someone that's watched college football their entire life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's definitely, and it the difference is. When there are certain conferences, like, obviously, the, the old Southwest Conference or, you know, even old school Big A, which obviously morphed into, you know, what we know now as the Big 12, you get know, the Big East and things like that. Like, those all, like, it didn't feel that, like, that much uh, big of a deal, right? If the pack goes down, I mean, that's like a, okay, that's a significant number of teams that are collapsing. Like, that's where it's implosion you're really having to worry about because that's that's more of a foundational it's a whole coast Tyler, yeah. so it's like if if you do that, then i think d I think much differently about that than I do other conferences in the past folding because I feel that you're looking structurally at college football completely different if the pack dissolves
0: and not only is it going to be i mean just total just totally damaged. Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford and Cal, if they're left without a conference. But you know the landscape of this sport right now and the vultures that are on staffs across the country. Not only will Stanford and Cal and Oregon and Washington State seemingly not be in a power conference, but Travis, their roster will probably be gutted from other Power 5 teams trying to go into their players and saying, hey, you actually want to play in a Power 5 conference? We got room for you. Before. It's going to be devastating.
1: Yeah, and, and it's not only that, Tyler. It's you know before, like like just let's just take, let's just take A and M and Missouri for example, right? Whenever they made their move, like everybody knew the SEC was kind of running the show at the time, right? And they could use that privately, right, and say, hey, look, like nobody in nobody in the Big Twelve was was really concerned about you know the recruiting tactics of A and M. Uh, in Missouri, back when they moved, but part of the realignment discussion, Tyler has been ha- has been programs just crapping all over their current conference. Like that's the difference is, you know, you can't like you can't be a leftover Pac-12 school after these other teams bolt. When every headline for like two months has been. Oregon wants to get out of the the sinking Pac-12. Washington gets out of the sinking Pac-12. Florida State wants out of the ACC. Like that's the difference is because when when previously when conference realignment was happening, the national story wasn't that you had a bunch of you know deadbeat conferences. Whereas now in 2023, going into 2024, you can beat the drum of these are deadbeat conferences because you can say, hey. Um, Washington State commit or Oregon State commit, blah, blah, Do you watch the news? Do you have Twitter? Because even, you know, the other teams are saying that your conference is at a dead end. So why don't you come over here?
0: This is an interesting question. We've gotten it several times on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Braylon just asked about it. Here's another text from the 512 saying the Rose Bowl will never be the same. Braylon says, what will the poor Rose Bowl do without the Pac-12? The granddaddy of them all. Maybe the most famous bowl game in the history of college football. They'll still have the Big Ten. um, But what other conference is going to be affiliated with the Rose Bowl? And maybe some people just don't care because of the way the Rose Bowl has acted over the uh, past couple of years. But I wonder if that bid will go to the Big 12. I wonder if that bid will be to – it won't be two Big Ten teams, I wouldn't think. If it's the Big Ten or the SEC, like – that that kind of is a big deal out west to see how they would replace the Pac-12 because they're going to have to. They don't want, um, at least I don't think, Colorado State playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl anytime soon.
1: I think uh, I think what is most likely is the Tyler. It'll be the world's largest yoga studio.
0: Ooh, perfect! World's perfect. largest
1: yoga studio. You know how they you know how they do it out there. So um, no, but in all seriousness. I don't I don't know. I mean, the, the, does, does the Big Ten tie it in? Does anything? I mean, the, the sport is so wholly going away from the West Coast, which, let's be honest, Tyler, it was going away from the West Coast long ago. I mean, people on the West Coast have cared about pro sports far more than college sports for a long time. You can talk to people that live in L.A., and they've never heard of Lincoln Riley, some of them, but they go to Dodgers games, you know? Like, it's... It's such a pro town, and I know Pete Carroll tried to make it all about, you know, college, and they had Will Ferrell on the sidelines and all that, and then Colin Coward's trying now with his love affair with Lincoln. But it's, like, that's that's the thing. Like, the, the West Coast masquerading as this college, you know, important college landscape, we can finally stop pretending, Tyler.
0: Yeah. I, I guess the Rose Bowl will be uh, with the 12-team playoff. I think it'll be a permanent semifinal game in the new playoff. So conference tie-in won't matter as much with them because they did get in line and say, all right, we'll play by everyone else's rules. Let's go. Well, but who knows? Lucky they, they did. Have, uh, yeah. Uh, Florida State, are, are they sure the uh, Big Ten wants to take them or the SEC wants to take them? Is there any chance here that the Florida State is uh, Florida State's acting out here and in the grand scheme of things, Big Ten's like, you know what? We're kind of good. With Oregon and Washington, but thank you for your interest, Florida State. And the SEC is like, yeah, man, we're kind of good at 16. Uh, we'll, we'll call you back in a few years. Like, I would think there would be a spot for Florida State, but there we, seems to be some uncertainty about it.
1: Maybe they're – I don't know. I mean, I mean, I would think the Big Ten would have some interest in them, less so than the SEC probably. But, man, I don't know. It, it's one of those you don't think they'd get that far out over their skis. But, you know, at least they're sending the messaging to the ACC of, hey, we're only as loyal as our options. And if we get a better option, we are leaving. And obviously you got to get the attorneys involved and everything like this because, they're you know, they're granted rights and all this. Like, we're having a lot of these conversations. There's a big contractual conversation that Florida State has to have with the ACC. So, I mean, is that a speed bump? You know, at one point, Tyler, remember the Big Ten when they were going to add Oregon and Washington kind of in, in response to the arms race, you know, the, the report came out that it would actually lessen the payouts to each school because, again, when you're splitting the pie by more by two more schools, those two schools have to add more value, you know, in order to make the, the math work, right? So. Yeah. If 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 the Big Ten's looking at it and be like, well if we add Florida State, the schools will actually make less money, then are we really doing right by our current partners for that? But or do they just throw that to the wind and say, Look, the writing's on the wall, we've got to get to twenty, let's go ahead and pick the schools if we if we're given first choice, let's pick the schools to get to twenty and then let the SEC deal with the leftovers.
0: Oh, boy, I don't know how long this has been up, but someone on the text line is reporting from the 918. Kelly Maxwell has changed her Instagram from Oklahoma State Softball to Oklahoma Softball. I just pulled it up, and it indeed says Oklahoma Softball number 28. Now, her profile picture is still her in an OSU letter jacket, but it does say Oklahoma Softball number 28. So sounds like she even has the uh, the uniform number picked out. Wow, yeah. what a get that would be. Well, what a, what a, what a get that it is. I, she has OU salt on her profile.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, oddly enough, the first place I saw that is somebody that is, is just going through it today. Is that Oklahoma State problems account? Mm. Oh, my gosh. They are saying all the craziest things. And the people in their replies are saying the craziest things still about Trace Ford. You know, obviously about Kelly Maxwell today. But... He, that was the account that showed the Instagram, and I was like, oh, well, there it is. I mean, if you're going to change the bio, you know, I know she's had her visit to Norman. She has pictures. So, I mean, throw one of those up there. Throw an OU logo. Like, you're already on the page. You've already hit edit profile. Just go ahead and do the rest, right? Big,
0: yeah, man, yeah. big hit, big hit in the portal for OU. And it makes OSU fans really mad, which is even better. Kelly Maxwell, 1.91 ERA last year at Oklahoma State, 16-7 and record, 142 innings pitched a year ago. So remember that rotation that OU had last year that worked out so well? Well, they're going to have another rotation again next year. Nicole May, Kirsten Deal, Peyton Monticelli, Kelly Maxwell, that's four legitimate arms right there. So hey, guess what, guys? OU's going to be the favorite to win the national championship again next year. They will be preseason number one. Exciting times. More exciting times for the OU softball program. All right, coming up next, eight wins or less, nine wins, ten wins, 11 wins, 12 wins. What's most likely for OU in 2023? We'll talk about it next right here on The Ref. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Keep the text coming on the Knipple-Meyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. Put this out on social media a couple of days ago. Thought I'd get your opinions on it, Travis. Day one of training camp. Uh, We've got five options here. You tell me which one is most likely and which one is least likely for OU this coming season. Eight wins or less. Nine wins. Ten wins. 11 wins or a perfect 12-0 season? Which one's most likely, which one's least likely?
1: Hmm. I, I mean, I, I pretty much since the schedule came out, I've been pretty consistent on these airwaves saying that 10 wins is the expectation. So I think in the name of consistency, I'm going to hold myself accountable here and say 10 wins is the most likely. And then the toughest question I think, of the poll is the the, the second and third option. What order do you put those in? It's clearly one up and one down, right? So 9 or 11, 11 or 9. I'm going to go with – I'm going to be bold and say 11 is the next most likely. Okay. And then 9. And then – What's more likely after
0: that—an undefeated yeah. season or eight wins or less?
1: I, I honestly think eight wins or less is more likely, simply because there's a there's precedent from last year. We have to remember that we have we've only seen Brent Venables coach one season so far. We've not seen Jackson Arnold play. Dylan Gabriel did get hurt last year. I mean, there's you know we've got a lot of new bodies, but you know we'll see. We've got to replace uh, multiple NFL players on the offensive line. You know, there's, we've got very young linebacker core, not a lot of experience, at least college experience at OU. So, I mean, I, I think with that, I think eight wins or fewer is more likely than a wire-to-wire undefeated season, only, only because there's precedent.
0: Well, okay, let's, let's think about it. How many times, if you're trying to sort out least likely, what's happened more times since the year 2000? Has it been a 12-0 and 0 regular season or eight wins or less? Eight wins or less has happened. Like you, You've had a 12-0 and 0 regular season two times. At, well, I guess three times. 2000, 2003, you didn't lose to the Big 12 championship game, so you ran the regular season, and then 2004, so just three. Eight wins, that happened in 05, that happened in 09, that happened in 14, that happened last year. So I, I guess if you want to go off history, Eight wins or less is more likely than an undefeated season, so that's probably the right answer.
1: Yeah, I but understand. I do
0: agree. I, I I do agree. Like my my pick was ten wins most likely as well, and I thought that was going to be the safe pick, and and maybe maybe it is. Maybe the safe pick for this year's team is ten and two. I mean, the over under is nine and a half, so slightly over. Maybe that's the safe pick. I saw a ton, man. I saw a ton of nine wins most likely on our uh, Twitter and Facebook comments this week. More, honestly, more than I thought I would.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, mm, if, with, I think with the over-under being the 9.5, I think you're going to, you know, theoretically you would get the equal amount of 10 and 9. But I think with stuff like, you know, Iowa State, if you can start 5-0, and oh, God, you're close, right? You're almost home. And, you know, with Iowa State's situation with Hunter Deckers, obviously with replacing Georgia on the schedule, uh, I, I think I, I think even the doomerist of fans, if I can make up that word, I think they even think we're going to start 5-0. and I mean, and we've seen, I mean, we, if we're looking at precedent, we've seen an Oklahoma team get hot down the stretch. I think many people kind of forget that 2016 year where we went, undefeated in conference play and that was because we lost too early and obviously there's no 15 15th ranked houston on the schedule this year and there's certainly no number three ohio state at least those two teams in the the non-conference so i mean there's there's a bit of more recent precedent if we just say you know going undefeated through conference because i think we're all pretty comfortable with the with three non-con games but i think nine is reasonable that's a i mean that's that's a 50 percent increase in wins tyler Right. I mean, yeah. So
0: I it, look, I'm fully aware of how bad they were in conference last year. I get it. But I, I think everyone's expectation should be to start off five and oh, this this team should start off five and zero. And if you start off five and zero, even to get to nine wins, just to nine wins, Travis, all you would have to do down the, the down the last stretch of the season. Do I have this right? You'd have to go, what, four and three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. You'd have to go 4 and 3 the rest of the rest of the way. If we're talking about that 5 and 0 is what you should start the season. 4 and 3, that's all you would have to do. 5 and 2 obviously to make it to a 10 win season. So if we're talking about a first 5 game schedule that's very manageable and I think that it is, just go 5 and 2 down the back half of the schedule and you're a 10 win football team. That's that's yeah. that's very doable. Very doable.
1: Yeah, I mean again, we can we can break it down so much into Okay, if you win these games, you have to do this from here. If you do this from here, the hypotheticals—it's any way you like, any way you slice it. If I order a, a pepperoni pizza, Tyler, it doesn't matter if it's cut into squares or cut into wedges, or I don't cut it at all and roll it up and eat it—you know, like a taquito—it is still a pizza. This schedule, no matter which way we slice it into five-game, three-game stretch, anything like that, it is still a crappy schedule. So we should be able to run through it.
0: 918 Cincinnati is a potential trap. it's the biggest obstacle to start the season 5 and0. It might be I mean to start 5 and0 Cincinnati might be the potential trap unless this has been a blessing in disguise for Iowa State this week and uh, Hunter Deckers had the number one defense last year in the conference. And still only manage five wins. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise for Iowa State. They're actually going to have a uh, offense with the pulse this year. I don't know if, if that's the case. Iowa State is the biggest trap to go five and zero.
1: I am I am not convinced that Hunter Deckers is the is the last of the Cyclones that will be suspended. So I don't think it I don't think it'll come down to just replacing a quarterback for them. I think they're going to be out. Many more starters by the time this is all said and done. So, yeah, it it may be a blessing in disguise at the quarterback position, but uh, they may not have uh, other options uh, elsewhere. But I guess I, I guess I would buy Cincinnati, you know, being that I guess the biggest obstacle. But you know, that's kind of like the the tallest the tallest little person. Because it's like, sure, it maybe the biggest obstacle. Nice but, use I mean, of
0: words there to not get yourself canceled.
1: Yep. Hey, I'm looking out for both of you us, know, man. So need, need
0: you the final two hours of the show.
1: Appreciate that. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, sure, Cincinnati may be the biggest trap, but, God, what else would it be? SMU?
0: <laughs> At Tulsa. Kevin Wilson's just waiting to be the trap. <laughs> 2.30. You'll just Easy. walk into Chapman Stadium and get a win? Are you kidding me? Actually, maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you've been waiting to. for this moment Four, for years. 405-651-3439 is the Knippen-Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to your text next and a whole lot of OU football as well right here on The Ref. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, Cavens Group bringing you this hour. Emergency repairs. Cavens is on the call 24-7. Check them out, CavensGroup.com. Okay, to the text line from the 405, uh, we have basically asking who we think is going to be the toughest game of the year. And here's how I rank the top three of toughest games. Tell me what you think. I think the Texas game will be one. It's the toughest and the most important. I've got the TCU game at home, number two. And then I'm going at BYU, number three. Like it, love it, hate it.
1: Uh, Like it, like it. Um, I will go Texas, number one, as the toughest game. I will say, I will say at Kansas. Ooh, so you agree with Jimmy on
0: the text line, Jimmy from OKC. All right. As
1: as our second toughest. Um, And then I will say TCU to close out the year. I think Jalen Daniels is the real deal. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think coaching is better than, I mean, Kansas has had and but but if
0: he's hurt, he, if he's hurt, he's out of your top. They're out of your top three, right? KU. They
1: would move to four, I think, because Jason Bean's yeah. still there, right?
0: Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I think no Jason Bean has Jason beat Bean's Texas.
1: I'm just gonna and I'm just gonna say that he has. It may not be true, but I'm gonna say Jason Bean has at least beat Texas. So, um, you know, they 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 still would at least be slightly competitive. But yeah, at Kansas, they've made it their homecoming. Tyler. They've made it their homecoming. So it's their One, only chance to have
0: season, the... and now your KU's homecoming.
1: Unbelievable. Yep. The biggest crowd that maybe will ever be at Kansas will be this uh, homecoming game against Oklahoma. Jalen Daniels is healthy. Hold on to your butts because that guy can play. So uh, that's what I'm putting my number two. And then TCU just, I don't think they're going to fall off all that much. I mean, they were just playing for a national championship. So, I mean, Yes, they lost the fourth most uh, players to the NFL. They lost multiple NFL wide receivers, including a first-round pick. They lost a Heisman finalist. You know, they, they, they lost a ton. So um, they lost, I believe, the uh, um, the um, best offensive back, the Jim Thorpe Award. I believe they lost. Uh, Travis uh, Hodges Tomlinson. Yes, indeed, indeed. I was LT's keep, cousin. Yep, so – They've lost a ton, man. And, hey, Pierce, I didn't even – I forgot. it. up, man? How's it going? Oh, hey, buddy. Um, but, no, I, I i don't think TCU is going to fall off all that much. But, yeah, they did lose a lot.
0: One more. Doug Miles says Iowa State's local media day is tomorrow. Typically all players are available. Iowa State's only making seven players available. Jeez, seven players available for Iowa State media day. Oh, boy, more OU football coming up next right here on The Ref.